Hello and welcome to this episode of MyCon Podcast. I'm Sean Wakimaloe. In a special episode of MyCon, we'll delve into a chapter of recent history that still resonates deeply with countless voices across the globe. It's been three years since the world watched in shock as the Lekki Tollgate incident unfolded during the NSARS protests in Nigeria. The controversial events of that night sent shockwaves to the international community sparking impassioned debate on human rights, government accountability, and social justice. As we revisit this pivotal moment, we raise a very crucial question. Three years after, have we truly learned any lasting lessons? Have we witnessed meaningful change, or do we still find ourselves at the crossroads of unaddressed grievances waiting for justice and reforms? Tonight, join us as we navigate the intricate web of emotions narratives and consequences stemming from that fateful night we engage with people and individuals directly affected by the lucky target incident seeking to uncover the evolving landscape of civil rights and social change in this episode we aim to shed light on the enduring importance of this tragic event and the collective responsibility we share in ensuring that such incidents propel us towards a world where justice and equity and not just lofty ideals, but lived realities. And so, on the podcast today, have one of those who are in the front line of the protest here in the city of Abuja, Indy Kato. Thank you so much, Indy, for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And also, we have the man who perhaps, uh, some would say, is one of those who first used the hashtag NSAS, Shegun Awosonya, popularly called Shegalink. He was a member of the Lagos State Judicial Panel on NSAS. Thank you so much, Mr. Wilson, for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Sean. I appreciate it. So let, let's get to the conversation. I mean, today's conversation is pretty straightforward. And I'm hoping to hear people's experience. If you have family members, if you know anybody who was involved, the critical question that we've been asking is, have we learned anything? What have we been able to gain as a people? The fight was against police brutality, against extrajudicial killings. But a lot of people say um, NSAS wasn't only about extrajudicial killing or police brutality, but it's also about governance in Nigeria. But have you really learned anything? So let me begin the conversation uh, with, with you, Indy. Three years after, have we learned anything? I, I don't think so. I think we still find ourselves in that space. And, you know, the, the thing for me with Nigeria is that it's in a circle. You know, history keeps repeating itself and repeating itself. And we don't seem to. And this is one of those one of those situations where history repeats itself again. And we don't seem to have learned anything from the past. Um, we still had last uh, December with the death of of the uh, the woman in Lagos. Remember the police officer? Thankfully, he has been sentenced he has been sentenced now so we're still having incidents where police officers think that they can still carry out extrajudicial killings they can still behave as they want to they can still be rough with citizens and that is not that is not something that should stand but kudos to the fact that at least we are seeing signs of consequences now and the major problem we have had with nigeria is the lack of consequences where somebody can do something can do evil and get away with it and because of that other people feel that you know once you reward something, you reward something with the absence of cons consequences, more people would feel like they can behave that way too. But thankfully, with an example like that, when I saw that, when I saw this man being sentenced to death for the killing of the lawyer in Lagos uh, last, last December, I was like, you know what, this, this sign of consequence, this 
okay we are beginning to see we're beginning to see progress but at the same time a lot of these things are still happening here's hoping that we go through a better trajectory of change here's hoping that things get better but as it is a lot of police officers still feel that they can handle citizens and get away with it and that's still a problem how sad do you feel about it i mean considering what happened on the night of 2010 2020 it it feels like you know so many things has ha have happened since since the um the NSAS, uh massacre and just feels like some people have played play politics with it people have used it to to improve careers people have done so many things so it feels very sad to me because given what a lot of us went through during that period it just feels like no lessons were learned from that period and as with nigeria there are no sacred cows there are no in nigeria there's nothing that you say this is sacred don't touch it don't take advantage of this allow this to be what it is let it serve as a lesson but i don't think that it's serving as a lesson enough and that is that is a major problem it's really saddening for me Segaling, any lessons distinguished show uh thank you for having me on your show and um, just like um my sister in the cartoon have said nigerians are nigeria's problem we are part of the problem to be solved <clears throat> in the country and for every single problem you find, you find if you have 20, if you have a problem in a hundred percent and there is about 1% who are trying to solve the problem, 99% are trying to exploit that problem, expand that problem, sensationalize that problem and catastrophize that problem so that they can persist and they can have an activity due to lack of productivity and general demoralization that has actually engulfed the Nigerian youth. If you look at the consciousness of the youth before 2020, as a build-up from 2017, when individuals got up and decided to say enough is enough to extrajudicial killings by police officers. We have lawyers in the country as had then. We have uh, politicians in the country as had then. We have governors in the country as had then. We have presidents all over from 1999, at least under democratic rule as had then. But nobody felt it imperative or critical to address this problem until Social Intervention Advocacy Foundation decided to come together with a handful of civil society groups to say enough is enough. And we declared and made this thing very clear from the beginning that unlike the tradition and the culture or the well-worn culture of using an event, an incident that is claiming lives to perpetuate ourselves or to promote ourselves in readiness for politics, for partisan politics, this one is not going to be protest-driven. It is going to be expressed as an advocacy. That was the essence of the press conference in 2017, where BBC, CNN, channels, and all media houses, international and local, were present. And consistently, while we were having that dialogue, we we're not just throwing tantrums. And I made it clear, there are still tweets over there, as of 2017, stating categorically that this is not about uh, misspelled signs and protests that tends to showcase uh, how popular some people are or the next music video coming out from some artists who have been long forgotten. So, but if you look at the way things have gone now, uh, people have moved on with their lives. Perpetual protesters have cashed out from the, uh, from the jamboree. And people there's, who have not heard anything about any intervention from any groups of people who claim to even care more than the advocacy that actually brought about 
the the uh, enactment or let's just say the passing of the police trust fund in 2019 the passing of the police reform bill that is police uh, bill of 2020 that is the police act 2020 after 19 years of albatross it wasn't the protest that brought that it was due to advocacy based on engagement of our leaders and based on responsible citizenry and responsible advocacy that tends to engage the state with the with nation building in mind and the lessons that we're supposed to learn from here from now is that people young people who are impressionable should not see everything as a reality tv show nation building must not be left in the hands of politicians alone they are not magicians if your democracy is like an eagle you are part of you are the second wing of that evil eagle if your politicians and your leaders are the first the first wing so based on that we all have responsibility we all have a a a role to play in making our nation better if the nigerian youth have not risen up responsibly and consistently from 2017 till 2020 even before we decide to take to the streets there wouldn't have been a new bill policemen will still be right to say they can do and undo and no law will pay, bring them down because the law itself actually put them on the street to protect the 1% from the 99%. And that has changed now. The police have now been returned to the people. They are now meant to protect the public and the properties of the public. So that is why you have found that since 2017, no single police officer had committed atrocities or murder against Nigerian citizens and worked free. Because there was an active, or there has been, and there's still currently as we speak, an active advocacy watching, monitoring the police and bringing them to book. It was around 2020 after the law had been enacted that we believe that as at this point, we must keep to our promise by saying our job is done. The objective of the advocacy have been met. All the tactical squads that have become poster child for the culture of impunity have all been disbanded. Number two, the law that actually gives the police to the people is now operat operational. So with that, what do we need to do as citizens to monitor the full implementation of the law and evaluate sin for necessary amendment when the time is right. Let's get some responses from uh, people. And I like people to give us their experience of what they thought and what they, in these last three years. I don't know who is going to go first. Uh, I think we should start from Twitter. I'll go to Instagram at some point. I don't know who is ready to speak to us uh, on Twitter. I'm ready. All right. I think Mr. Two Talk CFR, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Please go ahead. Do you have any live experience that you can tell us about it? The three years down yes. the line? Yes. I will share some. I will share some. Michelle, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, good evening, Indy. And uh, Segali, good to hear your voice. I've been your followers for a very long time. But then, uh, I'm a comedian, com journalist. Uh, presenter with People's Night 3.1 FM in the city of Yemen. Uh, before that, I was in forefront. I can tell you I was one of the organizers of NSAS in Yenegua, though I was very, very low-key, and I, I know what it did in the city of Yenegua. I, I can tell you what uh, happened to the youth in Yenegua. Before now, youth cannot even speak. Uh, I, I was once a victim of police brutality while uh, uh, building my career, I could remember one particular night I finished a free show with my colleagues. 
past nine, before we could get a cab, policemen rounded us up and picked all of us, and the policeman. I'm a comedian. We are just here to, uh, uh, we came here for a show, and he didn't listen. That was our way. Taken to the police station. Speaking of answers, did a lot of magic in the psyche of young people in Bayelsa. And uh, the policemen also became aware that the citizens now are aware of the uh, 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 their rules of engagement. As a presenter on radio, after answers, we pushed uh, harder. We told citizens, a lot of Nigerians don't like uh, reading. Some of us don't even know where to get a constitution or to know the act that creates uh, a police, the, door, the doors and don'ts of a police officer. And then being a journalist, I've been close to some senior police officers who do their job professionally. You know, I can also give you an instance of a day we are going to cover a live interview of the former president, Philip Jonathan, in Otsueke, uh, from the city center, and a colleague, Ruth Ebejile. We bought a public vehicle, and that day, uh, I didn't know, it happened urgently. So I was dressed in a knicker and a beret, and I was hanging a bag. So you won't believe this, that a police van stopped us, looked inside this particular boss saw me and asked me to drop. And when I get down on the motor, he told me to my face without any judgment, without any court confirming me, he told me I'm a courtist. And I was I was shocked. And he said he wants to search me. I said, please, I'm a journalist. Here is my ID card. Showed him my ID card. And do you know what the policeman said to me? He said, this ID card no not mean anything to me. And I I was I was mad. Uh Though I had the uh, phone number, phone contact of the area command, zone 16, police command in Biasa, commanding Biasa and River State. And I have the PPRO's number also. So I had to call the PPRO and she invited them the next day. And to cut the, to cut the long story short, I can tell you that just like you mentioned, the NSAS protest wasn't about just the police brutality and the acts of the men of the Nigerian police force. But I think it also gave the citizens opportunity to know the power they possess as citizens. You know, I was in the house a day and two brothers were having issues. One called SAS to come and pick up the younger one. And while they were dragging the young man, I walked up to them and asked them, you are men of the special anti-robbery squad of the Nigerian police force. This is a civil case between two brothers. You have nothing to do here. There is no criminal. There is no, it's not a criminal case. And the policeman challenged me and told me that you will fire me if I talk again. And I told him, okay, you want to fire me? Then no problem. Continue your act. Let me call your PPR and tell him that these men are here. Before I could turn back, they don't disappear. All right. So yeah. It's still going on. Those kind of uh, behaviors are still going on. And I think that the consciousness within the uh, the citizens are also very important. Let's thank you so much, uh, Mr. Tutok. Let's get another person's perspective. Uh, Valentine, I can see your hand up at Valentine uh, Valendo04 on Twitter. Please go ahead. Yes, uh, good evening, Shell. Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for this uh, wonderful opportunity. Um, I would say, for instance, um, I'm saying from one way or the other, we've learned lessons. 
So, but on the part of the police, I will say no. Probably they haven't learned any lessons. And the reason is this, is because we still have the evidence of police brutality in our society. The, uh, during your conversation earlier, you know, one of the speakers mentioned the fact that there is some kind of correlation between the NSAS and the obedient movement, which means people have realized that we can actually do this thing. We can come together and achieve uh, a lot of things. But on the part of the police, it's quite unfortunate. Uh, last, the, my first experience in terms of uh, police brutality was when I, I was, I was in, I was in Nigeria then. So I gave someone a uh, this YX card for GC registration. So I, I sold it for the person. I was in Lagos, so the buyer was in Akure. So the, this guy bought the cards and used the cards. So I was not asking for my money. He refused to give me my money. He was like, the cards are invalid cards. So I went to Akure in a bid to collect my money, only for me to be arrested by police in my father's house. And I was like, what is going on? They said I sold fake cards. I was even trying to explain myself. The next thing, I was handcuffed. I, I even, I, I, I tried to the police station with that handcuff and barefoot. I, I was not putting on anything. So when we got there, because at that time, I didn't even know what, is go what was going on. So later, because thank God I, I, I was able to, at least I had a prior uh, knowledge of all this IT stuff. So I, I, I was still with the cards. So I got the cards and I told the police officer that we have to look at this card. They said, no, that there's nothing I can do. That I have to sleep in that place. Why would I? So I slept in the cells. The next morning, it, it took, uh, I think it was around three o'clock before my people came. And I was like, what is going on? What, let us like settle this thing. And I said, okay, no problem. But if you said, I, I gave you a fake card, then I need an access to the internet. Let me get uh, some details from WAEC, uh website. So I was able to, from, from my uh, little knowledge, I was able to discover that the person that actually used the card for registration was in Akure. So which means that guy used that card. So then the next thing, people were, uh, police were like, they are sorry. And I'm like, you are sorry. You gave me a slap. You uncuffed me. Like everybody was looking at me as a common criminal. I'm telling me you are sorry. Of which I was telling you that, Steve, give me a phone. Let me check this thing. I want to be sure that this card was, was used in Akure or not. So at the end of the day, my, my dad just came in and he just said, no, we forget about everything. And that's just that. Last right. week, mm. police pick up my brother in Lagos. So because he's not somebody that uh, that used to like, you know, give something, give money or something. The next thing, they, they drop me from Anthony. And they drop him after reading. This thing happened last week. They drop him after reading because he said he's not going to give them anything with his car. Everybody was even afraid because it was about 12 midnight. We were calling him. <coughs> no response. This thing happened last week. So this thing is still coming. I'm not sure if right. have learned their lesson. Yeah, yeah. They haven't. Mm. Thank you so, so much. So I'm just saying yeah. that they, we don't witness anything that looks like Mm -hmm. in Nigeria again. Oh. I've been in Nigeria for three years. I'm telling you for a fact. I don't, I don't know what a gun looks like. I've not seen a gun for the past three years. 
Yes, where I am is everybody feels secure. So why, 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 why any little thing like our police are with gone? The next thing is to, to show the, I mean, the citizens. This is wrong. We tap their money. I haven't seen it. I don't know what it is to a for them to lose for the last three years. This is something that when I when I enter, uh, what do you call it, downfall in Lagos, it will be sitting, I will see it beside my leg. I mean, come on, we can do better than this. All right. Thank you so Thank much. You. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'd like to take the final thought of the speakers because that's just so much we can take on the space. Um, Indy, for us to close this conversation, where do we go from here? Yes, we remember three years ago, but the fact remains that some of these issues are still with us. If we are to go further and nip this in the bud, what should we be doing? I think that lessons need to be learned from that moment. And and uh, like it has rightly been discussed it was beyond police brutality it was a governance issue too and just wanted better from the from the country they call their own and we're getting to a place where we're seeing nigerians getting to that frustrated point again and it seems that no lessons are being learned so i'm hoping that the government as a whole realizes that you can only push people so far mm -hmm. and that when things like this happen brutality is not the answer to it so yeah. before we get to that point, I think it's it's important that they nip it in the bud because Nigerians are getting impatient again. There have been rumbles around the country, complaints from every aspect of our lives as Nigerians, every single aspect of our lives as Nigerians. There's no succor anywhere. People are getting tired again. So um, here's hoping that they address it before we get to that point. And if we get to that point, brutality would not be the way out of it. Thank you, Indy. Shagaling, your final thought. Where do we go from here? Well, our duty, as well as that of other civil society organizations and citizens, by extension, remains the monitoring and evaluation of the implementation of all relevant laws that are in the country. There's a lot more to be done in nation building, and every citizen has a role to play. Without the mindset change, there will be a village of casualties in the coming days, if not months. As those who are, who are led to pick a tent at the respondency, having been completely demoralized, see moral and ethical responses as foreign languages and will forever lend themselves to fascist, miscreant and abhorrent civil insurrection and disobedience that can only promote bloodletting without a solution in sight. So there are no armed men with utopian dreams in the history of man. So police need not be over-militarized, neither should citizens deploy arrogant confrontation without an end. Why would change go post at the, on the floor of our protests. It shouldn't be done. This is not, it doesn't show that we're applying our education. So there is no democracy without the protection of individual rights. There are no doubts. Some may be beyond social redemption, but there are too few in numbers for them to be truly dangerous. The real danger lies with the common men and functionaries ready to believe and act without asking questions. So we must all confront our darkness by conquering ourselves first and immune ourselves from collective unconscious by applying our education. Nobody should be used or brainwashed enough to be weaponized against the state. No uh, public officer or security personnel should act out of uh, their standard operating procedures. And citizens who have a voice, who have integrity, should continue to be their brother's keeper. That's how it is. Not for us to be shouting against ourselves or demonizing ourselves because we believe somebody has the power that we do not. You have seen how that has played out, how it has rolled us back almost the beginning of where we started from and we need to do better for ourselves so that these politicians and leaders can learn from us and our organization thank you very much Shagalin, thank you so much indicator thank you so much thank um you. reflecting on some of these issues 
very critical uh, issues that it has raised in our polity on the quality of our existence as a people, as a nation. And I'm glad that both of you have agreed to discuss this matter and as much as everyone who has contributed in one way or the other into the conversation, I, I must thank you all for your part in history. Thank you so much indeed. And that's our beat on the podcast tonight. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching and listening. I'm sure I'll come out later. I come your way again. Have a wonderful evening. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Mike on Podcast with Shayono Kimbaloy.